Imagine that you are walking through the heaving city streets. It is so hot, the pavement is sizzling. It is so humid, you look like you have just stepped out of the shower and put your clothes on without getting dried. You can't move for people, traffic and construction. You can't breathe for fumes and you can't even see the sky for the haze. You've about had it with this day when you hear a ding from beside you. You stop and look suspiciously at the strange box that made the ding. Then the box speaks. It says, you are awesome. Instantly, your day brightens. You get a little spring in your step and gentle music fills your soul. Well, you must be in Washington, D.C. It must be the summer of 2007 and you must have just been the recipient of the kindness of a man named Tom Greaves, a local artist. That summer, Greaves created the most wonderful and surprising art installation. It was a box containing an iPod with 100 recorded compliments that play at random. People are drawn to your positive energy, says the box. You have a nice voice, it says. You create a brighter future, it insists. The effects of the box were profound. According to residents and shopkeepers in the Logan Circle area of the city, it increased foot traffic to stores. Uh, some office workers went out of their way to hear a compliment and then continued on their journey happier and healthier. It must be said, though, that because it was just an iPod and people passed at random, not all the compliments happened to be true. Uh, for example, the Los Angeles Times reported that a bemused jogger was stopped in his tracks when the machine told him he smelled good. <clears throat> just another example, like we needed one, that words are powerful. We are shaped by what we listen to. If we are able to slow down and if we take time to listen to the positive words, we can be changed. But we know the opposite is true as well. Listening to the angry words, the insulting words, the words that are intended to make you feel unhappy and unfulfilled, these words will change you too. Be doers of the word says James in the spectacular opening to his letter, the first section of which we just read. Be doers of the word and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. For if any are hearers of the word and not doers, they are like those who look at themselves in a mirror. For they look at themselves and on going away immediately forget what they are like. But those who look into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and persevere, being not hearers who forget, but doers who act, they will be blessed in all their doing. 
Studies show that people look in the mirror 40 times a day. Uh, by the way, uh, you know when a preacher is just making stuff up because he or she begins a sentence with the words, studies show. There are two types of mirror checker. For some, looking at a mirror is simply a way of gathering data. How does my hair look? Uh, are my cassock and surplus straight? Is there a piece of lettuce between my teeth from lunch? For you, mirrors serve a good purpose. They will confirm you are either looking good and you're ready to unleash yourself on the world, or they will tell you you have buffalo sauce on your collar and you need to go and change before walking into that crucial business meeting. Other people are not so blessed. These mirror gazers check themselves out not to make sure they're okay, but to confirm they are not. They try to spot imperfections. Too heavy, too skinny, nose too big, ears too small, face too many lines. For these folks, the mirror is not a thing of usefulness and service, but a means of torture, a cruel prophet they consult in order to punish themselves. <clears throat> there is, of course, a third kind of mirror looker, uh, the person who gazes in order to be told how godlike they are. They are named after Narcissus, of course, a beautiful young man of Greek mythology who sees his own reflection when he kneels by a pool for a drink and falls in love with himself. So smitten is he that he cannot drag himself away from the pool and he eventually dies of starvation. Let's not be like that. And let's not be like the second type either, the one who goes to the mirror in order to find fault. Let's be like the first kind. For James, the perfect mirror is what he calls God's law. There are people, he says, who look at themselves in God's law and then immediately forget what they look like. But there are others who look into the perfect law and persevere, not, not being hearers who forget, but doers who act. They, says James, will be blessed in all their doing. Now, by the law, James means, of course, the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament. Uh, when James was writing, there was no New Testament. But we live this side uh, of the Jesus event, and so we want to include all of the Bible in this lesson. So here's an important truth that we need to grasp if we are to become mature in our faith. The purpose of scripture is not to prove you are right, and the point is not to argue about its meaning or to debate how much of it should be read literally. No, the purpose of Scripture is to lovingly reveal how God sees us. The perfect mirror, says James. It reveals to us the truth about God and ourselves. 
when we look into scripture and take its feedback to heart we begin to understand how much God loves us and how God calls us to live. So we read the Bible not in order to critique it, but to be critiqued by it. Not to sit in judgment over it, but to sit under it. Not to deconstruct it like we would any other ancient work of literature, but to let it deconstruct us. We look into this mirror and we let it take apart our actions, motives, words and attitudes. We let it expose them to our gaze and then it spurs us on to work with God to rebuild us and to make us more like Christ. The mirror, says James, is the perfect law of God. It gives a true and honest representation of who we are. Because we need that, don't we? Life can be a hall of crazy mirrors like at the fairground. Those mirrors all have one thing in common. They give us an out-of-perspective vision of who we are. On one mirror, our heads will be supersized. In another, they'll be squished like they've been squeezed in a vice. In others, our legs will completely disappear and our feet will grow straight out of our torso. In others, our legs will be ten feet tall and you'll have no torso at all. Life in the Hall of Mirrors makes us think too highly of ourselves and too miserably of ourselves. This fairground attraction that is the 21st century existence can feed our inferiority complex and it can boost our narcissism. The Hall of Mirrors tells us we don't look right or talk right, or smell right, or eat right, or think right, or consume right, or weigh right, or sing right. We need the perfect mirror that gives us the true picture of who we are. That's not to say that when we look into God's perfect mirror, all we see about ourselves is beautiful. No, uh, that is the narcissism thing I mentioned just now. Sometimes when we look into God's perfect mirror, we see things that are not attractive. Those attitudes and habits and ways of talking that cause distress to ourselves and to other people. But when the crazy hall of mirrors tells us that we are gods and goddesses, that we are a human bundle of awesomeness, we need to hear the truth. But even when God's mirror points out something unattractive in our character, there is always more wonderful truth it reveals. We may be scared to look into the perfect mirror of God because we know we will see imperfection in ourselves and we'd rather not know. I don't want to know how I need to change. That requires too much self-denial, discipline, hard work. And yet, like the compliment machine in DC, 
what we find when we do gaze into the words of God will make us smile. Because what we see is God's perfect love for us that remains constant and unaffected by whatever faults we have. Professor Joan Bromberg of Cornell University conducted an unusual research project based on the study of diaries by teenage girls. She began by reading diaries from the 19th century. She analysed their entries, arranging them by topic, before going on to do the same with diaries of late 20th century girls. What Brumberg found is that the 19th century teenagers spent a lot of time and energy writing about their hopes to become good, useful, caring, positive contributors to society. These young people possessed imaginations that, for whatever reason, were alive to the possibility of making a difference and the capacity to dream. They had a sense of personal mission, something that caused them to reach beyond themselves. Then Brumberg read the diaries written by the late 20th century teenage girls and she found something very different. Their aspirations were mostly on becoming slim, pretty, well-dressed and popular. To the young person and the elderly person, God's perfect law reveals a different truth, the true truth. It doesn't matter what you look like, how much you weigh, how many followers you have on Facebook or Instagram. You are loved without condition and without limits by your Creator. Let me finish with an amazing picture of God's perfect mirror. How about this? The world's largest natural mirror. Uh, it's called Sala do Ayuni and it is in Bolivia. And it is 4,000 square miles. It is the world's largest salt flat. Look at that. Running and playing and dancing on the earth's largest mirror. Let us do the same. Find joy and release as we gaze into the perfect mirror of God and go more deeply into God's love for us. Amen. And so we pray based on the things that God has been saying to us through uh, the letter of James. Here in this sanctuary, we remember, O oh God, your gift of life to each of us, and we seek to carry it into the streets. Here in this sanctuary, we remember, O oh God, your invitation to belong and find shelter, 
and we seek to carry it to the streets. Here in this sanctuary, we remember, O God, your reign of justice and righteousness, and we seek to carry it to the streets. Wherever there is lawlessness or tyranny, wherever there is corruption and oppression. Here in this sanctuary, we remember, O God, your sacrifice of love and mercy, and we seek to carry it to the streets. Here in this sanctuary, where we remember all that you have done for us, O God, we remember also your call to live what we pray, and so we commit ourselves again. Amen. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth 